Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Hey, well, good to see you again soon. It's good to see you again soon. Doesn't make much sense, but it's good to see you anyway. Um, I'm back here again. Was just uh, spent a few moments with Mitch, but I'm here today to talk to you, continuing our Red Letter series. I'm here to talk to you about giving. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear someone say, I'm about to talk about giving, I feel like, oh, where's my wallet? What am I going to do? Close up the bank account. There's something about me internally that thinks, okay, what is this going to cost? Let me recap the last few weeks to begin. Uh, we, we began the series, uh, Trent did a, a brief overview followed by Mitch, and Mitch spoke about being with Christ. And this is the crux of the matter. You, you, you know, everything that we're talking about is the result of being with Christ. Uh, the idea is that as we spend more time with him, we end up becoming like him. Obviously, as we go through the process of looking at the red letters, which we can find in some translations, the words that Jesus spoke, we can understand more about his character, more about what he valued, more about what was important to him. And so Mitch covered being, which was, which was really great. The second uh, component or the second step was forgiving. Now, the idea is that being with Christ would produce a more forgiving person. And Ruth took that subject and spoke about forgiving. And if I can put it this way, it's about clean, cleaning the slate. It's, it's, it's clearing that there are things that hold on to us. And as we learn to forgive, they let go. Uh, often people think about forgiving and they think the beneficiary is the one who is forgiven. Well, I think it's actually the other way around. When I forgive someone, I decrease the possibility of them having power over me. So forgiving is a process we go through, which is enhanced by the time that we spend with Christ. Just last week, Brittany spoke about serving. And, um, and she's learned some great things about serving. Um, she doesn't offer to mow the lawns anymore, which is really frustrating. And, and I so appreciated the times that she did mow the lawn. She, she did like 95% of it. There was always those little high spots where sort of like she went up one way, come back the other, and there'd be like a fence in between those two areas. And um, I, I appreciated her efforts uh, and then went out, got the lawnmower and knocked down the little high parts that were left there and but it was also a great way to de-stress for me so but serving too ought to come out of our relationship with Christ it's when we talk about these sorts of things they're not things we do they're actually uh, positions we hold so to be a forgiving person while I ought to externally forgive internally I've got to forgive to serve externally, I need to serve internally. It's a, it's a change that takes place within. And you know, as we jump into this subject about giving or generosity, I want you to understand while there is an external action, it's what happens internally that makes the most profound difference. You know, Ezekiel spoke about our hearts being changed and giving us a, a malleable heart. And, and the goal that God has for each one of us is that as we are born again and continue to go through a process of change or sanctification, that we would end up becoming more like Jesus Christ. And when we become more like Jesus Christ, we become more like God the Father. 
For us, we know that Jesus spoke very, very clearly, and he said that, um, that he is like his Father, and so our understanding of God comes from our understanding of Christ. And so when it comes to giving, it's interesting that we understand, it's interesting as we go through this process, we will see that Jesus himself expressed giving in a particular way or in a certain way. You know, just some thoughts uh, about giving or money. Do you know, second to the kingdom of God, Jesus spoke about finances. And you know, some people get uncomfortable with this. And, and the reason they get uncomfortable is, again, they think it's going to cost them something. But why would Jesus spend so much time talking about money or giving or generosity? Why is it second only to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? I'll tell you why. Every single day, it dominates our thinking. Now, it may not be the $50 note that you have, but you know, you're going to get up today, you live in a house that costs money, you lie in a bed that costs money, you eat food that costs money, you go to work to earn money. When, you, when you're saving for something, you're saving money. When you're spending, you're spending money. It's, it's not unusual, it's uncomfortable when you think someone's going to take your money, but that's why Jesus spoke so much about it, because it takes up so much of our lives. Just some thoughts I had around that, and the first is this, the absence of money can leave a person in poverty, struggling to live, and wondering every moment of their life where their next feed would come from. Now, none of us are in poverty here, we understand that. But for a person who lives in poverty, their mind is dominated by where they can get enough to get something to eat, where they can get some shelter. They are issues of finance, among many other things. An obsession with money has everything being measured by what it costs and how much can be made. And so when people are, if you like, always motivated by money, that too dominates their thinking. And I wonder, you know, I don't know that anyone has done any analysis of this, of how much every single day people think about money or something connected to it, provision or lack of provision. When you're hungry, and we're now in freedom, when you're hungry, you think, okay, what can I eat? It's a question about money. You Often, some people will think about their health when they do that and they won't go to McDonald's. But, but at the end of the day, the reason McDonald's does so well is because people think about money. They think, I can get a whole meal for $10, whereas if I go to a cafe or somewhere where I buy something healthier, usually I don't get what I, enough to eat. I, I, I need more. And so, again, money comes into it. Good stewardship of money places us in, in an enviable position where we have what we need and a buffer for a rainy day. As a matter of fact, you know, Paul writing to the Corinthians, he spoke about us being generous so that, uh, generous so that we can have provision for every single circumstance and be able to give to others when they're in need whenever we chose to. Most people spend the bulk of their waking hours working for money to live their daily lives and so it makes sense that Jesus spent so much time discussing it. My question to you is how many hours do you spend every single week working? Now, it's not just the time that you spend at work. Most people will spend 38 hours at least. But you've got to travel to work. You've got to prepare yourself for work. 
when you consider, we get 168 hours a week, when you consider how many hours, you take off the hours that you sleep and then work out how many hours you actually spend working for money, you think, wow, is it any wonder Jesus had something to say about this? You know, it's, it's a difficult time of the year for me personally. At home, I have a spouse who... Uh, I've been ripped off most of my life. You you know, we know what love languages are. And Ruth has chosen her love languages. The first is gifts and the second is words of affirmation. Now, the words of affirmation that she needs, I I can deliver without a great cost. But when it comes to gifts... Uh, I'm the one who calculates what it's costing us. I'm the one who gets the credit card bill at the end of the month and has to work out, what, what was this one for? Where's the receipt for this? And, and it's a regular occurrence. Uh, I've actually gone to doing it every two weeks now. It's much quicker. And um, it just means I schedule the uh, conversation a lot more regularly. But when we talk about being generous, when we talk about giving, most people go to gift giving and think that gift giving and generosity are synonymous. That's not true. What Jesus spends his time talking about is not gift giving, but I want you to take a few moments and think about gift giving. You know, through the years I've received some weird and wonderful gifts. And usually those weird and wonderful gifts come from children or grandchildren. And uh, as Brittany, Brittany said last week, you know, um, Alex cleaned her room. So what that meant for her was she picked up what was on the floor and threw it on the bed. And what Brittany said was, you know, I appreciated the fact that she tried to help. She tried to serve. Well, with gift giving, it's the same, isn't it? When children gives gifts, it's, it can be a weird and wonderful experience. There have been times where either our children or even now our grandchildren, they take something out of the toy cupboard and they, they wrap it up. And, and I'm not talking about a new toy, an old toy. And they wrap it up and they come in and they give it to you like it's brand new and something that you really wanted. The reality is most children, when they give you a gift, don't give you what you want. They give you what they want, which is an act of generosity. They take the car or they take that... Uh, doll and they think this is what I would want therefore Papa would want that and uh, Papa doesn't want that and there are times where I want to tell them the truth but I'm constrained oh that's so nice thank you that you did that for me that's really helpful it's not so bad when children gives gifts like that what happens when you get adults that give you gifts like that where your brother or your sister or your father-in-law or your mother-in-law or your mom or your dad what what happens when the people around you buy you gifts that are distasteful or 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 just plain silly and and you feel the need to make up oh yes that's really really great I I really love this gift and you're thinking how am I going to get rid of this and not upset them gift giving is a weird and wonderful thing there's the obligatory gift giving which lacks emotion it's that a, a have-to task. And I, to be honest, I don't like that. I don't, think it, I don't think it's genuine. If I know it's Tim Ong's birthday and I have to give him a gift, and I'm only doing it because I have to, then, then to me there's something inauthentic about that. It's just not right. 
There's a passionate gift giving, well-intentioned, but not always received with the same enthusiasm. That's the sort of time where, oh, wow, it's, it, it, it's Tim Lai's birthday. Let's all, well, let's all get excited and buy him something really, really good. And, and then when we, we feel good about it, and when Tim gets, you know, the massage voucher, it's like, uh, yeah, nah. And, 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 and you can see by the response on his face that the, the massage voucher is probably just going to get ripped up because there is no way he wants someone else rubbing his body. It just, it just doesn't, it's not palatable for him, you know. Then there's the perfect gift, the one chosen and purchased thoughtfully. And when it's given, it actually meets the need of the receiver. Mutual joy can be experienced at that moment. Now, there have been times where... You know, in, in the process of gift-giving, children have actually said, that's just what I really, really wanted. And, you know, they can be three or four years old, and, and you can see by the expression on their face that the gift that you've chosen, the gift that you've given, has just been so important to them and just what they really wanted for that moment anyway. And, and, and there is something special when that takes place. And, and, you know, most of the gifts that I've given Ruth through the years would fit that category, I would say. Uh, fortunately, she's unable to respond and she can't tell you the truth. But, but when you find a gift that you know perfectly suits someone and they receive it and they feel it perfectly suits, it, it's a pleasurable thing. And, you know, heading up to Christmas, people spend a lot of time and effort on giving gifts. And, and, and I want to encourage you, don't just get the job done, but think carefully and clearly about the people that you're buying for add something to them. Don't just give them a gift. Because the gift giving is meant to be you adding something to their life that will make a difference for them. And uh, I'm saying all of that because, you know, um, if Christmas is coming up, I don't want some of the dud gifts I've been getting from my family. It's all of that just to say, uh, yeah, think carefully about what you buy me. Luke 21 verses 1 to 4 says this, well, Jesus was in the temple. He watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Jesus didn't spend a lot of time talking about gift giving, but he does talk about this particular gift this act of generosity. And you know, whether we realize it or not, we in our nation are very wealthy by comparison to the rest of the world. And in some ways, you know, if we had to play a part here, unfortunately for us, we're like the rich people that just put in a little portion. But there's a, there's a whole nother world which gives much, much more. And this this poor widow gave everything she had, Jesus said. And I would suggest that it wasn't only the, the two mites that she gave that impressed him, but more than that, I would say it was her attitude, her action, her contribution, her honour. It, it, it was the way she gave as well as what she gave that made an impression on Jesus as he was there watching and, you know, for us, you know, when we give, and talking about giving to the church, when we give, it's not what we give, but how we give that makes a difference. If we do it out of obligation, there is nothing wrong with that. 
as long as our reason for being obliged is appropriate. If we're obliged to do what we do so others can see, then that's a real issue. It was a problem the Pharisees had, and it, and it disturbed Jesus, and, and he rebuked them multiple times over for putting on a show for others around about him. But if when we give to the church in particular, we do it out of obligation because we want to honour God, then it makes a significant difference. A little further on in Matthew 23 and verse 23, it says this, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the, uh, sorry, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Do you know, when we speak about tithing, some people have a real difficulty with it. They say, well, it's Old Testament, or they say it's the law. Actually, tithing predates the law, goes back to Abraham, possibly goes back even further than that. Depends which commentators you read. And the reason I'm taking a moment to talk about this is because Jesus himself mentions it. Ruth and I, through all our years, have always tithed. Why do we tithe? Because I'm obliged under the law? Not, Not at all. I tithe to honor God. I tithe to give him thanks for what's really his. I tithe because at the end of the day, the Bible is clear. It's God that gives me the power to earn wealth. I tithe because I want to express myself to God in a particular way. What I give is no one else's business. It's between God and I, and I want to do what I do to honor him. And many years ago, I said, and you know, and Ruth and I, in our discussions, it's, you know, tithing is an act of obedience Giving is an act of generosity. And so we tithe out of obedience, but we give over and above that out of generosity and in faith, believing that God will provide for us. And you know, our personal testimony, I'm not here to give that to you today. Our personal testimony is that God has blessed us time after time after time. There have been so many times where God has blessed us financially in ways that were completely unexpected, unearned, undeserved. And I do believe it's connected to our faithfulness in this area of tithing and in giving. You know, in Matthew uh, 3 and verse 10, it says this, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. It's the only passage of scripture where God says, put me to the test. Try it and put me to the test. And now this message is not an attempt to get you to tithe. It's an attempt to teach you what the Bible is is saying about tithing. And in this particular passage, again, God is reminding the people, the Israelites in this circumstance, how important it is that they continue to give faithfully to the temple, which uh, was the place in which God dwelled in those days. And I want to encourage you, you know, this may be a new experience for you. It may be uncomfortable for you. And and I'm going to get to talking about some other matters in just a moment. But if it's important to you, if you want to learn more about it, by all means, you can talk to us about it. But let God prove to you that he is one who honors his word. You know, statistically, as I said before, we're in the top percentages of uh, wealthy people in the globe. We have so much stuff. 
I don't know about you, but we have cupboards full of stuff. And I think, you know what? The cupboard's full of stuff and it stays full of stuff and we don't access the stuff and I don't even know why we have it. And it's not, it's not enough just to have stuff there. Is there stuff in the garage? There's stuff in the sheds? And, and, and because we're Christians, we don't actually have a storage facility. But lots of you have stuff stored in a storage facility where you pay weekly to store your stuff and it stays there year in, year out. And, you, and you, what's the point of it all? What's the point of all this stuff? Do you, you know, people who have excess keep their excess and they spend money to maintain their excess. The Bible also speaks about, you know, uh, as a matter of fact, Jesus said, yeah, what's the point? You, 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 you store up all this grain, then you build bigger sheds to store up more grain, and then you die. What's the point? And, and, and what he's speaking about there is this need for us to accrue unnecessarily. I say the same thing to Ruth all the time. Why have you got so many shoes? I just, you, there are so many shoes. You, you can't wear all these shoes. And, and I said, let's get rid of some of them. And she says, well, no, I'm not getting rid of that. I like them. When was the last time you wore I don't know when I wore them last, but I'm not getting rid of And I said, like, oh, no. Now, of course, it's easy to criticize. Uh, I had things too. Like, you know, just a few things. Just not many things at all. Mine might cost more than hers, but that's irrelevant. It's not the cost that's important. It's like power tools and chainsaws and all, all, all sorts of things that really matter, motorbike and tractors. And they're, they're things that are useful and have eternal value, not shoes. <laughs> Let me wrap this up in as simpler form as I possibly can. Mankind was in need. Jesus was given, as we read in John 3.16, to meet the need of mankind. Now, the ma mankind didn't know that they were in need, but the need was met anyway. So God so loved the world that he gave. He gave because there was a need that needed to be attended to. If you read more about what Jesus said, we haven't got time this morning, if you read more about what Jesus said, he actually encourages us to give to those who are in need. And, 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 you know, giving and generosity are not meant to start as external actions. They're meant to be internal experiences. And so when you look at someone, it's not about whether or not you can give them some financial gift or a gift that costs you money. It's about what's in your heart that you can transfer to their heart that will make a difference for them. Now, sometimes that will be a practical gift. Sometimes it will be fine. And sometimes it might be food if they're in need. But the ultimate goal is for the love of Christ that we've received when we didn't know we needed it. For, for that love to somehow then be transformed in us and translated to others in a way that is tangible for them. You can't be a Christian unless you learn to love others. As a matter of fact, Jesus was also clear, you can't be a you can't be forgiven unless you also forgive others. As a matter of fact, it's impossible for you to be a Christian unless you learn to serve others. Why? Because there's a transformation that takes place internally, that comes out externally, that makes a world of difference. And so all around you, 
there are people in need. Matthew 10 and verse 8 says this, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. As I assess my life, as Brittany said last week, you know, we're to be humble. As I assess my life, the credit for my life is not my own. It belongs to a God who loves me. It belongs to a God who has provided for me. It belongs to a God who has given me all that I have and all that I am. A God who's still working on me, trying to change me, despite my stubbornness. But if there's any credit, it belongs to Him. And it will continue to remain His. If I've received something, He deserves the credit. But He wants me to give what I have received to somebody else. And every single day, just as Jesus said, there are people around us who are sick. There are people who are lonely. There are people who are destitute. And they're in need of a handout from God. And God in His wisdom has given us that responsibility to exercise love and grace and mercy. And, and we can only do that if it's working within us to begin with. Goes back to the widow with the two mites. The thing that impressed Jesus the most was what was going on inside of her heart. The thing that disgusted him was what was going on in the Pharisees' hearts. You can make a difference to the people around you. Your generosity is not measured by the size of the gift that you buy, but by the size of the heart that gives the gift. Jesus wants us to transform the world around about us, and we don't do it by external actions, but by hearts that are changed. It goes back to the first week of our series. Being with Jesus will transform you. You'll become more forgiving. You'll understand what it means to serve. And you will find yourself transformed into a generous person. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your work in my life, for your work in my heart, for the grace that you've extended to me. I didn't deserve it. I still don't deserve it. And I never will deserve it. But in the same way I've received your grace, I ask that you would teach me to become more graceful. Not graceful in the way that I walk, but graceful as in having a heart full of grace towards others around me. So that I could be generous on every single occasion, no matter what the circumstance. Someone's in need that I could give them what they need. Someone's in need of an ear to listen that I could listen. Someone's in need of comfort that I could give them comfort. Father, teach me to become more generous. Teach us all to become generous. In Jesus' name, amen. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.